0: All right, time to bring in David Locke now. David Locke joins us on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Lease any phone and get an iPad or Samsung Tab A for ninety nine ninety nine. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. David, good morning. Good morning, DJ. How are you? Great. Just fielding a lot of uh, social media from jazz fans who are perplexed, jazz fans who are confused, jazz fans who are saddened and depressed. You have anything to offer all those people?
1: Um, I don't really know what happened in the twenty-seven to one run. Actually, I was going to go back and watch it. Haven't gotten to it. Um, probably was going to do that today on the plane, or uh, was hoping to do it beforehand, but didn't didn't get there. Um, so, if you have any insight of, I mean, I was calling it. Um, so I don't. Sometimes when you're calling it, I mean, you realize it's going on, but you don't really realize why. So, if you have any insight you want to share with me of what you think happened during the twenty-seven to one run, I'd be curious.
0: I'd have to go back and look at it to make sure, but I thought there was a big chunk of this of that game where the Jazz were red hot from the perimeter, red hot. I didn't think they got a lot going. I didn't think they got a lot of easy baskets going to the rim. I think that's one of the reasons Donovan sh- uh, shot 0 for 9 to start the game before he hit a bucket with, like, four minutes to go. It looked like, although they were shooting it really well, they weren't making easy shots, and it's hard to make difficult shots for 48 straight minutes. And then at the other end of the floor, the Nuggets got red hot, and there's always that, you know, they're always in transition, so it's easier for them to play offense, and you're always taking the ball out of the net, so it's harder for you on offense. And sometimes you just have to find a way to stop that. Go to the hoop, get a foul, stop the momentum of the thing, and obviously when you give up a run like that, you didn't stop the momentum of the thing.
1: I do recall um – at one point kind of jotting down the three-point shooting and i think we were at 50 in there at 22 and anytime i see that i'm always like uh oh something's gonna swing um and i so i think that happened a little bit um at that point uh tory craig was great tory craig is was really great um denver's done a nice job developing him he's big he's strong he's he, he looked mammoth when he was guarding donovan And then he did enough other things that he wasn't, you know, just limited out on the floor. He's he's their version of Royce O'Neal, but at this point in his career, um, seems to have a little bit more uh, to his game, uh, or at least did last night than Royce than Royce offers when now Royce is also on the floor with four scorers. So uh, maybe Royce will show that at some point. But I thought Torrey Craig was great.
0: Got any reason for the defensive numbers? Uh, obviously, they gave up forty-three points in the first half, and you're thinking, "Wow, they're dialed back in on defense." Even if the Nuggets heat up a little bit, uh, this is this has put them in a really good place. Giving up forty-three points, and Donovan hadn't scored yet. I thought, but to your point, that whenever there's an outlier in the middle of a game. Pace Mannion just beat this into the ground. The five years I was doing pre-half and post with him, he would see exactly what you said, where there'd be numbers that are an outlier and then he'd look at the score and he'd say, wow, you've shut Donovan Mitchell out and you're behind by five points? You're in trouble. And I was surprised that that didn't play out in the second half. Um, yeah, I was too. Uh, Torrey Craig was great.
1: So, and, um, Donovan I don't know what's going on. Donovan went back to the locker room twice against the Spurs, and I think once or twice last night. So now is he going all the way back to the locker room, is he, and I, maybe TV sh- showed this, or he's just getting on a bike. Um, I don't know. He got hit, he got hit on the hip uh, early in that Spurs game, really, really significantly, and then went back, went back, went back. I don't know if it's all the way to the locker room or just to the back. So um, there might be something physical going on there.
0: Jazz are getting ready to go to... It's
1: interesting last night, I mean, I do think, I mean, this is the weird aspect of things. If Jamal Murray and Gary Harris are healthy, Torrey Craig's playing, what, far less? Isn't it funny how that's going to work this week? Like, you know, if LaMarcus Aldridge is healthy, then DeMar DeRozan doesn't have nearly as much floor space to work with, if... um, you know, you know, it doesn't mean that we, you don't still lose or that those guys aren't really good and bring something else to the table, but it's been interesting how um, the aspect of the injuries that the Jazz have faced, which is disconcerting that you've lost three straight games to teams that are marquee, missing marquee players, um, but the, there's an aspect to the marquee players that we're missing. Actually, we're all kind of players that we handle, um, and then these kind of strange hybrid lineups um, the teams are forced to put out there right now are things that we struggle with.
0: So if I'm Denver, should I be worried that I'm missing this many guys and playing well? Is it going to be an issue when guys come back, a battle for minutes, guys felt like they earned minutes and went to the bench? Because I got a tip of the hat here to Denver. They've had a lot of guys out. And it's not like they've won every night, but I think they've won a pretty good percentage of them. And, and if this were the Jazz and we are missing this many guys, we would be beating into the ground and talking about it forever. Yeah, I mean, they're the number two seed in the West, and they've missed
1: Millsap for 10 games and Jamal Murray for seven, I think, and Gary Harris for um, a few. Um, the, the only reason I'd be concerned is that Jamal Murray a- – who is predominantly an offensive player is not particularly efficient offensively, and you know you suddenly without him and seem to be as efficient offensively that would be a little disconcerting. besides just paid him the max money, um, and I and I think the dance they have is that Grant's now much better than Paul. Um, you know Paul's in his whatever fifteenth year, um, so I think that's a little bit of the dance that they are going to have to play. Is that um, I don't know how they're going to deal with it, but Jeremy Grant's been really good. He's shot 44% from three his last 10 games. Um, and, it's, and it, you know, brings a lot to the table. So that's, that will be delicate because I think Grant is now better than Paul Mills have.
0: Hmm. Jazz are going to Portland. Portland's going back-to-back. They're playing the Lakers in L.A. We just saw the Clippers in the first game. Since Kobe's death, and and they just got worked at home, what kind of emotion is Portland going to be in facing tonight in L.A.? Because now it's the Lakers, and and then they got to go back to back against the Jazz. How do you think that all plays out, or can that even be predicted?
1: Well, I don't know, but I, I thought this was interesting. Uh, I was talking to a mental health specialist about um, like what are these guys going through, um, and they actually referenced it to be comparable to 9-11. And they didn't mean, you know, the tragedy equal, right? Okay, so let's make sure we put that. But their point was that on 9-11, the coverage was so endless mm. that you couldn't get away from it if you were, you know. And then uh, from a mental health standpoint, you actually don't know at that point whether you've been triggered and whether something has, you know, really literally been altered in your brain or, you know, whether you're having depression or whether you're having some impact from uh, this tragedy that's, that's impacted your mental health. Um, because of the continuous coverage and it it just wears in it in a way that nine eleven 11 that was his comparison with the nine eleven. And so um, I, I think there's a lingering impact on these players here. Um, and I thought Paul George's postgame press conference um, was really interesting. I'm not, um, there's certain players who I think just talk and they just say words and they don't usually have a lot of gravity to them. And I usually put Paul George in that category. But I thought whether he realized what he was saying or not would be, could be clear. But um, I, it was interesting last night to hear him talk about you know we'll forever know it every single time we ever walk in this building like i it'll impact us every time like i think that's probably true and i think that's respectful but it's also heavy right like you know if every single time you're walking into the staples center it's hitting you again that's that's a big impact so I don't know what I'm talking about in regards to what that impact is or how that impacts one's mental health, but um, certainly, you know, there's coping mechanisms that people have, and one is compartmentalized and others denial, whether those are entirely healthy or not are not clear to me. But, you know, this this is one where they're not going to be able to do that. I thought that was just an interesting topic. Can I share an experience with you last night? Sure. So I had a really, really close friend in town uh, from Seattle who came to the game, and we went out for ramen last night. Uh, and Because late night ramen's You know Good for my waistline um, But it's my favorite thing In the world So um, And we were at this Really really cool spot That had this upstairs And there were like Four tables upstairs And he and I were there And the officials Came in So they, when they finished Their meal We actually talked to them For like 45 minutes And it was So fascinating um, The level of detail They go to The preparation They put in how much they watched the game to watch other officials. They were all into the f- Indiana-Philadelphia play from the night before, or Chicago-Indiana uh, play from the night before, where Zach Levine clearly got fouled. and They were talking about how, you know what had happened at the rotation of the floor. It happened this way, the play- officials positioning. and um, It was really a fascinating conversation to the level of detail, the work these guys are putting in. You know, a little bit of the, us, either it's us or People Magazine, they're just like us. Um, Eric Lewis was there. as was a longtime veteran NBA official. Um, <clears throat> I asked him about, um, you know, interacting with coaches and when you can, like, blow a whistle when a coach is yelling at you versus not because you don't want them to – then they'll be on you for 36, you know, for the rest of the night. Um, I, I, I talked to him about um, – the different, you know, positioning places they have on the floor that they're watching. And we were interesting. we talked about a call Natalie Sago made against us the other night. Um, which I think she was right. It was just unique because she was at the baseline and the call was top of the key. And I thought it was interesting because one of the officials goes, oh, Guthrie made that call um, in the NBA Finals. And one of the other officials goes, yeah, that was his first NBA Finals game. And it was, like, so incredible to me that, like, here's this play I talk about. They then bring up an example of it. they've studied it clear so clearly. And then they know the context for the app for the official. I thought, I don't know if that's coming across correctly, but I thought it was a really interesting uh, night to just to level these guys put in how, how hard they're working at their job. And
0: you know, they, I'm sure they have
1: bad nights, and you know, we don't like them much. But um, it was a, it was an interesting night.
0: Yeah, I'd be interested to talk to him about refereeing Jokic because watching that game, he does what Booner always preaches: you know how to use your body, know how to use your body to create space. And he's got to be hard to referee because there's so much contact. And, boy, letter of the law, you could probably call him for 15 offensive fouls, and obviously nobody does. He is crafty. At a young age, he, he knows a lot. <laughs> he is really good. Oh, and he's mammoth. Yep. All right, David, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us. We'll hear you Saturday night in Portland. Talk to you soon. All right, Radio Voice of Utah Jazz, David Locke, joining us.